calling the language therapy clinic. For English, press 1. To join America the Bilingual, keep listening. I grew up in, a, in southern Missouri, and as my brother and I, we actually say we're bilingual, we speak hillbilly and we're learning English. Because it's, it, it's a small town and you know, my aspirations at the time were working in advertising and the biggest thing I could ever imagine was moving to Dallas, which I did. This is Lois Melbourne talking about growing up in the country years before she became the CEO of an international software company. I went to high school at a town called Logan Rogersville and it was very tiny. My graduating class was 113 kids. They offered French class and I took the course because it was that or Spanish and French seemed more romantic to me. So I took French. Lois told me she didn't think her French would ever be useful to her. She went to Missouri State took one year of French there, since one year of language was required. And checked the box and moved on? Yes, sir. Okay, so you finish college and you have, how would you assess your, your French skills when you finished college? Terrible. <laughs> I could actually read French um, nicely, but speaking it was out of the question. I, I would not try and speak French. So it sounds like you are um, 100% fully American in, in terms of your language experience at this point. Very, very American, yes. Yeah. And this is America the Bilingual, a podcast for monolinguals like me who are learning their second language or who would like to start. I'm Steve Levine. In this episode, we're going to hear about two talented people and how they work together to advance their American business outside of our country. In Lois's case, her talent is not languages, but she did become an entrepreneur. Lois started a software company in 1994 that could take a company's human resources data and automatically generate organization charts. In 1995, she launched a website, which was when websites were just starting, it definitely was surprising that you could start a company in Texas and without having to travel anywhere in the world, people were finding us. That sounds pretty cool. It was very cool. Lois told me that she felt lucky that so many businesses around the world used English, but she soon discovered that in many companies, the English was just on the surface like a linguistic veneer that concealed the true language reality below. A lot of Americans tell me, Lois, when they find out I'm studying Spanish, they'll say, why bother? The whole world speaks English. <laughs> no, they don't. We just think they do because that's a very American-centric perspective. Lois determined that if she wanted to grow her business internationally, she needed someone with serious language skills. Wouldn't it be great if she could hire a vice president of sales who could communicate in the languages of her customers? 
Aber wenn du etwas verkaufen möchtest, dann magst du es besser. Vender uma coisa é melhor fazê-lo na idioma do seu cliente. Vender algo é melhor fazê-lo em la língua quelque chose, vous feriez mieux de le faire sans vouloir vendre quelque chose. This is Andy Simmons, born in Princeton, New Jersey, the son of two linguists, and raised in Washington, D.C., Europe, and Asia. Andy has worked in Brazil and the Middle East, Turkey and Switzerland, and as you heard, is a polyglot, speaking six languages well, and another four or five more casually. Here's Lois. And I was fortunate in finding Andy Simmons, who was referred to us by then an, another employee that worked for us and knew that Andy was versed in many, many languages and could uh, and, and was in sales and business development. But would her strategy work? Uh, if I ever went out on this on the road, or if we Lois and I would go out with a, a local representative and we would visit a customer, those meetings always had to take place in the local language. There, there was no, you would never do it in another language. It would always be in the language of the country. Yes, we were meeting with a very large French client, and the um, they were a client. We were trying to expand what they were doing with us and the clients most of them in the room did not want to speak english i discovered through the meeting that some of them had much better english than they led on but they wanted to conduct the the meeting in french they said don't um oh by the way don't plan to come to this meeting if you're not going to do this not going to speak french uh, it, it just it's not worth your time or ours Andy is comfortable with French, and I let him lead the meeting, and there were... So with Lois as CEO and Andy as head of sales, they worked as a team. The meeting maybe went a little bit longer, but it was a very successful meeting, and I give Andy the credit for that. I realized being in the in the middle of that, they weren't being arrogant, they weren't being demanding, they were just simply saying, look, this is we, we need to be efficient here, we, we don't have a lot of time, we have to make a decision, we need to select the right technology for our to make our company move faster and more efficiently. When a CEO is in a room, he or she usually does most of the talking, I asked Lois if it was uncomfortable for her to take a back seat to an employee. I think that they really did appreciate that a CEO was willing to show that she didn't, you know, she wasn't the top person in the room trying to make everything fit for her. It's like, no, this meeting was about my customer. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about me feeling comfortable. It was about them feeling comfortable and us getting their solution for them. That would have been very, very different had we only been speaking in English. In my conversations with Lois, one word kept coming up, vulnerability. I was willing to show my, my vulnerability of, I don't know your language, but it becomes a strength because we overcome that. Andy and I together can overcome it and we will solve your problem together. And if we can do that just in language for a meeting, 
what am I also going to do as a leader with the rest of my team to solve their technical issues? Lois sold her software company and today runs a foundation that helps kids find their best careers. I asked what she advises young people with regard to languages. I think that learning languages as young as you possibly can is extremely important and we are in a very international environment and the Americans that take the effort to learn one or more additional languages will find themselves in a better, more employable uh, situation as they get older. I decided to put Lois to a test. I set up a little scenario where she's the CEO and I'm the HR director. I tell her I've got two great candidates for her vice president of sales position. One is an English monolingual. The other speaks five languages, but he wants twice the salary. What would she do? I pay twice the salary. If you're doing business in multiple countries, the language skills to work with probably employees as well as customers, the diversity of which a multilinguist can provide is, is incredibly valuable. Let's go back to Andy one more time. I'm so envious of his language skills and so amazed. I ask him, what does it feel like to speak all those languages? It makes you feel like you're a citizen of the planet, of, of planet Earth, because you find things you love about each country, each culture, their things they do, the things that are in their country, the, the way they prepare food, the, um, the way they find humor in things, uh, the way they celebrate, the way they, they express grief. You start to find that you you just can completely relate to those things. When you cross the border into those countries and you're you're there, you feel like you're home. So it's a story. Uh, I was just in Spain a few weeks ago, and it just felt so much like home. And I but I feel the same way in France and Brazil and Germany and uh, Japan. I love Japan very much. And um, there's a lot of you know when you it just makes it hard to say where am I really from. But then it makes it kind of irrelevant because you realize you're just here to, um, to help other people on the planet. Two people with rather rare talents, Andy Simmons, an American polyglot who clearly loves to use his talent to help others, and Lois Melbourne, who may not have learned French well enough to speak to her customers, but she learned enough to hire someone who did and this girl from southern Missouri who became the CEO of an international company learned something else too how to be a vulnerable and great leader and one more thing today we hear in the news a lot about advancing American business interests by negotiating better trade deals maybe but maybe we can also advance American business as Lois and Andy have by listening a bit better to our trading partners in the languages they prefer to speak. A shout out to America's hardworking language teachers. The American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages, their acronym ACFL is easier to remember. The leadership of ACFL provides necessary encouragement to the small team that produces this podcast. 
This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and our producer, Fernando Hernandez, who also does sound design and mixing. Our editorial consultants are Maya Thomas and Mim Harrison, research assistants from Alma Flores Perez and Ruth Kim. Music in this episode by Kevin McLeod, Jason Shaw, Josh Armistead, Milton Arias, and Andy G. Cohen under a Creative Commons license. Direct links to their music plus more information about this episode at americathebilingual.com. Our graphic arts by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It will help other recovering monolinguals find this show. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine.